14. Hello, everybody, and welcome to 40 Going On 14. I am Mike. I am Patrick. I'm Joel. And I'm Josh, and I live in the Uncanny Valley. But someday, the technology will improve, and I'll look much more like a real boy. I'm a, I'm a real boy. <laughs> <laughs> First time I heard about the un- Uncanny Valley, I wasn't 100% certain of what they were talking about. And then I like looked at followed the links oh yeah that's freaky yeah yeah where the cgi almost looks real it's not mm. unreal enough to look like a cartoon but it's yeah not real enough to fool you so your brain is just like no the, the mm. most obvious and realist example would be the entire movie polar express oh god the worst thing is is that conductor looks like my father nightmare <laughs> fuel and the polar express Daddy, no. Um, okay, so anyway, if you're not picking up on this, we're talking about CGI this time around. I know we had said that we were going to do our annual Billboard Top 10 show. The problem is it's still only a week after New Year's. and Everybody loves Christmas music. Everybody's still full of Christmas music. Yeah, we usually do it a little later in January, and uh, we never ran into this problem with Burl Ives and Mariah Carey being... <laughs> part of the top 10 so yeah, we're gonna have to give it another couple weeks yeah we're, we're calling an audible and switching to a show about cgi and cgi in the movies good bad and yeah we've had some opinions on this topic when it comes to individual flicks mm-hmm. taking a more holistic view t what yeah what <laughs> he said holistic view if you like holistic views you might like the shows on the podcast collective such oh. as the Bad Parenting Podcast. Uh-huh. I am Salt Lake for the Dog and Deuce Show. Mm-hmm. The Empty Rant Podcast. And of course, the Rad Dad Radio Hour. <laughs> I don't I have know. no idea what's happening. <laughs> fucking stupid <laughs> <laughs> yes and if you're looking for more of this you can find us on itunes blueberry stitcher talk to podverse and all other pod chasing places the fart show coming soon no we don't want that and do we have any listener feedback from the 708 now wrap 708-669-9727 uh no email no email but we do have no voicemail rather no voicemail. We we have an email. Oh. Yeah, we do. Find it. It is a uh, long-term listener. Darren McMaster has ca- uh, written in say uh, he's caught up on his backlog of shows and listened to a bunch of shows last week, and I really enjoyed it. You guys are funny and help bring back tons of memories. Any chance on doing a podcast on game shows? Phil Collins also asked to uh, tell you that he thinks Pat is the coolest guy ever, and if he ever wants to hang out and run some song ideas by him. Most have to do with how cute kittens and babies are. Stay geeky, Darren. Well, Darren, we actually did the game show show, but it was super early, so on a lot of podcasting directories, it's in the uh, gulf of no return, but I think it's on TalkShoe. Recorded live. Also, Also, Phil Collins can go suck an egg. You damn mustard tiger. Oh, wait, not that Phil Collins. You're talking about this singer. Yeah. Game shows was 46. Oh, my God. Yeah, so right in that dead zone. That was so long ago. That was. No, it's in. it's posted. Is it? Yeah. 
It's like 250 shows ago. Yeah. What 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 is the dead zone? Is it just like two through thirty or something? Then I think it's I think the dead zone is two through twenty four, twenty five now. Oh yeah, yeah. Because I see uh, Battlestar Galactica was twenty six. Yeah. So yeah, you can actually go way back, and the game show show is is there. Yeah. Huh. Episode number forty six on the website. Nice. <clears throat> we make no guarantees as to quality. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. That's when some of us were connecting to the internet on speaking spells. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was I was connecting through a Burger King intercom. So I think back then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We. This is I'd like to take a little. Please take another microphone. He kept asking if we wanted fries. We thought it was a running gag, and he was actually right about yeah. it. So. I would, yeah, I would just unmute myself for breaks. Pat, talk into the clown's mouth. We can't hear you. <laughs> Speak directly into the nose. All right, it's about that time. I think he wants us to drive through. <laughs> it's Burger Betty. Josh, about that time. Yeah, this week in music, movies, and TV. And sports. All right, so this week we are going with uh, November 21st, 1973. Further back than I'm sure many people thought we would go for CGI, but this is the release of Westworld, which was the first feature film to use digital animation. Uh, John Whitney Jr. and Gary Demos digitally processed motion picture photography and created the pixelated point-of-view version of Yoel Brenner's Gunslinger Robot. That's insane. Pretty cool, though. It really is. I mean, because I think CGI, you know, you start thinking, like, the first thing that pops in my mind is Tron, but... Yeah, that or Toy Story. That's always the first two that come into my head. Mm. Tron was the first movie to mix live action and CGI. Yes. Because the, the POV for Yul Brynner, it was the entire screen. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, they yeah. just illustrated the whole thing on a computer. Right. right. I want to watch that. We'll do that show eventually. So music. Uh, the number one song in the land was Photograph by Ringo Starr. I don't think I know that song. I know Photograph by Def Leppard. That's one of my favorite solo Beatles songs. Photograph? Yeah. You know it. I'm 100% you know it. Yeah. Oh, okay. I mean, I'll take your word for it. Yeah. You're about uh, to hear it. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I totally know that song. Yep. Great song. Yeah, I love that song. Like I said, it's it's one of my top three favorite uh, solo Beatles songs. You know, Ringo can crank out a good song every now and then. Yeah. Despite all the guff he takes, Ringo's very talented. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's no insult to be the fourth best Beatle. I mean, right? <laughs> <laughs> all right. So moving on, Alan Sherman, American parody singer and songwriter of songs such as Hello Mudda, Hello Fada. 12 Gifts of Christmas, and Westchester Hadassah? Hadassah. Hadassah. Westchester Hadassah. Died from emphysema at 48 
years of age on November 19th. Good Lord, I came into that far too. I got to read ahead. I really got to start reading ahead. That's Westchester, a- Hadassah, <laughs> you're bringing me down. That's 100% what it is. That's 100% what it is. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I was screwing around. <laughs> Check it out. Do it. Uh, do a search. Of- hang on. Hang on. No more of my dough. No more of my dough. No more of my dough. The old dough. Westchester Hadassah. Oh my god. I gave all my dough. I'll give you one more thing. A definite no. <laughs> I can't believe I inadvertently called it. Wow. That's fantastic. That's impressive. And is that is that Ruth Buzzy on the cover of the album? It looks like Ruth Buzzy. Anyway. Good job, Josh. Wow. He can't get the acronym of the re- weeks right, but he got that right. <laughs> yeah, never once, never once got the acronym of the week. But Nope. On November 16th, John Lennon released the Mind Games album. Good yeah. album. Yeah. Yeah. Not much else to say about that one. No. All right, then. Moving on to movies. The number one movie in the land was Disney's animated Robin Hood. I love that movie. That's a fun movie. Wait for me. Wait for me. It's in my top ten. And uh, Baloo Disney and Little Animal. John was a great casting. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> Little John, not Lil John. <laughs> what? <laughs> You're such an idiot. I do like that movie though. Lawrence Harvey, born Larushka Mishka Shkikne in Lithuania, in a career that spanned a quarter Sorry. of a century. <laughs> <laughs> was born. Uh, yeah. 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 Oh, wow. Yeah. There's a whole yeah. sentence missing there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in a career that spanned a quarter of a century, Harvey appeared in stage, film, and television productions primarily in the UK and the US. His performance in Room at the Top resulted in an Academy Award nomination. That success was followed by the roles of William Barrett Travis in The Alamo and Weston Liggett in Butterfield Eight, both released in the autumn of 1960. He also appeared as the brainwashed Raymond Shaw in The Manchurian Candidate. Ah. A heavy smoker and drinker, Harvey died at the age of 45 from stomach cancer in Hampstead, London, on Sunday, November 25th. His daughter, Domino, who later became a bounty hunter, was only four years old at the time. She died at the age of 35 in 2005 after overdosing on painkillers. They're buried together in Santa Barbara Cemetery in Santa Barbara, California. Is that who the movie was based on? Domino? Yeah, I believe I believe so. Yeah, because uh. the movie with Kira Knightley. Yeah, it? huh? Well, she's a bounty hunter in that, I think. Huh? Yeah, I'm, that's, I'm being serious. I think I think that's who it's based on. Okay, I, th- I thought it was a real. That's story, why I included but... it. Yeah, you because know, it's. It was... I never made that connection. We need to do a Manchurian Candidate show because they redid that. Yeah, yeah. Denzel. Yeah. Denzel. Yeah. yeah. Throw it in. Thrown in the notes. And Liev Schreiber, he's in it. Oh. The remake. All right. Sydney Tamia Poitier, born November 15th, is a television and film actress and daughter of Sir Sidney Poitier and Canadian actress Joanna Shimkus. Poitier began her career of acting in the late 1990s. In 2003, she starred in the UPN sitcom Abby, a series that was canceled during its first season. Later that same year, she had a recurring role in Joan of Arcadia and was also a regular on the first season of Veronica Mars. Poitier starred in Death Proof as Radio DJ Jungle Julia. 
The next year, she had a co-starring role in the new Knight Rider series as FBI agent Carrie Revai. In 2011, she guest starred on two episodes of Private Practice. Not a stellar career, but I liked her in uh, Death Proof. Yeah. yeah, I actually remember her from that. A lot of canceled shows, though. Hollywood is littered with actresses and actors who have resumes worse than this. I mean, except Veronica Mars. That's still going. Yep. Well, it was canceled, though. It came back. Right. Yep. Born November 19th, Savion Glover is a dancer and choreographer for several movies, including Tap, Happy Feet, Happy Feet 2, and the acronym of the week, which is B-I-D-N-B-I-D-F, which I'm pretty sure stands for Big Illustrated Dicks. No, Big Illustrated Dicks fucking. (laughs) (laughs) Kudos. (laughs) <laughs> congratulations on nailing the longest acronym of the week so far yeah uh no that was uh, sadly you were nowhere near the actual title which is bring in the noise bring in the funk what uh, i don't know it wasn't that far off yeah, it was pretty uh, close. Yeah. <laughs> on november 23rd sasui hayakawa Japanese actor from bridge on the river kwai and tokyo joe died of cerebral thrombosis at the age of 83 out all right now go get yourself a beer after getting through all that (laughs) wow that that's actually longer acronym than some of the ones i've insisted you change it's true yep you took it like a champ though so tv the top shows in the land are all in the family the waltons sanford and son and mash oh a new challenger has appeared the waltons yeah yes i don't remember them popping up anywhere night elizabeth Night, John Boy. Good night, John Boy. Night, Grandpa. Good night, John Boy again. Good night. <laughs> Good night, Grandpa Joe. These are the chocolate Good, night. Good night, Reverend Jim. What are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> Good night, Postman. Good night. <laughs> uh, Good night, Snyder. guy who sleeps under the floor. <laughs> <laughs> it's turning into Good night, Moon. <laughs> Good night, Cow, who jumped over the moon. Good night, creepy man under my bed. <laughs> Good night, Mitch Hedberg. <laughs> That's the voice you just said. Did I do that? Apparently I can do yeah. that. Yeah, that was a Mitch. You, you definitely did a that Mitch. totally a Mitch Hedberg. All right, so Dana Snyder, born November 14th, is an American voice actor, comedian, and producer. He's known for voicing Master Shake on Aqua Teen Hunger Force, Granny Culler on Squidbillies, and he also voiced Dr. Colasso on The Thundermans. I know two of those. The Thundermans was a Nickelodeon superhero show. Oh. Wasn't, it, wasn't it like the the in, done in the same style as the oh god uh, with the, with the dolls and everything and not no. animated? Oh, what am I thinking of then? You're thinking of the Thunderbirds. Yeah, Thunderbirds. Yeah, Thunderbirds go. Yeah, no, Aqua Teen Hunger Force though. He was phenomenal as Master Shake. Oh no, this is like live action. Yeah, yeah it was a live action thing. The kids watched it. Hmm. For when it was on for a season or yeah. so, I watched like two episodes of Squidbillies and I'm like, what the hell? I, I tried. I love all things Adult Swim, but that show I could not get into. I tried. I'm not into any. I've tried Aqua Teen Hunger Force and Squidbillies. I don't enjoy either of them. Oh, God. Aqua Teen yeah. Hunger Force is my. I love it so much. I like it a lot. I, I like the things that are a little bit more grounded, like uh, like Frisky Dingo, which was the precursor to Archer. Frisky Dingo is a riot. 
Yeah, a lot of people like that show. Assy McGee. Yes. That was that was too much for me. I didn't like that one. So Peter Fascinelli was born November 26th. He's an American actor and producer, starring as Donovan Ray Van Ray on the series Fastlane. He played Dr. Carlisle Cullen in the film adaptations of the Twilight novel series, a regular on Nurse Jackie, portraying the role of Dr. Fitch Coop Cooper. He also portrayed Maxwell Lord on the first season of the TV series Supergirl. I don't know if any of you remember Fastlane. It was a, uh, I want to say it was a McG TV series. And what's her name from, I can see her face, but I can't think of her name all of a sudden. Anyway, it was like a, it was like an undercover cop show, but it was all about like fast, fancy cars and slick guys with guns. And it was, it was decent. It was fun. I mean, it was a pretty decent action series. Every time someone mentions Nurse Jackie, I'm like, I got to go back and watch that because it looked awesome and I just never got around to it. It's one that's been on my list. I've, it looks interesting. I don't know. It, ne- it never hit my radar. I was never that interested in it. I don't know why. Yeah, I haven't seen it. I want to know who I can't think of her name. Tina. If you give us anything other than it's a woman that, whose name you can't think of, maybe we can help you. <laughs> Shut up. I'll have it here. Well, I mean, that's literally all you've said. You're trying to think of her name, and you don't give okay. us a it was, damn thing other than it's a woman. It was Peter was the the main guy. Then Bill Bellamy was his like his sidekick, and then Tiffany Amber Thiessen was the girl. Family Guy. No, Fastlane. Oh, is that what you were trying to think of, Tiffany Amber? Yeah, Tiffany Amber Thiessen. I couldn't think of her name. All right. Well, we'll th- glad we could help. There you go. Merry Christmas. It's not like you have you don't have three guys sitting here who are like little IMDBs. Don't ask us or anything. I couldn't think of any shows she was in or anything. I, I, and then I was like, wait a minute. She was in Son of Law. And by that time, Google was already up. So I was like, screw it. I'm just... Why don't you just look up Tiffany Amber Thiessen? I couldn't think of her name. So think of her name? Yeah. Next time you can't think of her name, just think of her name. Yeah, seriously. Just do that, dude. That's a life hack for you right there. You can't <laughs> think of somebody, if you can't think of somebody's name, just think of it. Yeah, just science, man. Seriously. That seems pretty logical. Get your get your shit together. Pretty logical. All right, moving on. Words. <laughs> no, there's another bullet point. Isn't there? there? Is? No. No. Oh, oh no. There's yeah. He didn't do that one. That's right, Peter. Yeah. Sorry. All right. Sports. Cyril Francis Walter Alcott was a New Zealand Test cricketer who played six Tests for New Zealand from 1930 to 1932, and then he died on November 19th. Wow. That's like literally all I could find. I couldn't find anything more about him other than well, he played cricket and he died. He played a, a series of games that lasted for two years. So yeah, it's cricket. It's cricket. It's very possible. Pete Rose of the Cincinnati Reds won the National League MVP on November 21st. And lastly, in sports, was this was a prolific week for NFL mothers, as almost a dozen players were born this week. And I'm just going to list their names, and that's it, because it's too much. They were Yatil Green, Kendall Shellow, Donnie Brady, Reggie Green, Danny Cannell, Brent Smith, Jameer Miller, Scott Rayberg, Howard Smothers, Jason Dunn, and Lawyer Malloy. That is a Lawyer Malloy. Lawyer Malloy. Yes. And Kringle McKingleberry. Yeah, that kind of turned into a Key and Peele sketch at the end there. Yeah. That's the twee. You want to play us off, Keyboard Joel? No? Yes? No. What? No, 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 no. Like, what, did Joel quit the show in the middle of the <laughs> <laughs> He's like, enough of this lawyer Malloy crap. I'm out. <laughs> you got it, right?
Oh, you have no idea how much I love Keyboard Cat. Oh, yes, we do. I used to own a Keyboard Cat t-shirt. We know. All right, so the CGI show. One of the things that we've been chatting about is determining whether or not, what what is CGI? The difference between CGI and computer animation. One of the resources that Joel found for us says that CGI encompasses both static scenes and dynamic images, while computer animation only refers to moving images. I think that's a useful distinction. Yeah. Dynamic images and moving images. What's the difference? Static is not moving. Dynamic is moving. So then why wouldn't the dynamic images also be moving images? They are. Computer animation only refers to moving images. Okay, I read that wrong. Okay, okay. Well, but yeah, so, you know, we talked about this for a little while and like CGI, we initially were like, oh, yeah, we'll talk about Tron. We'll talk about Jurassic Park. And then we dug into it. And holy cow. I mean, like I said, the tweet was, yeah, Westworld using raster graphics to do uh, a Yul Brenner's gunslinger vision. There's just CGI did not realize that they were actually doing stuff that went that far back, including Joel. What was with what did you read about Vertigo? Yeah, that's the one that blew my mind, is that the first computer animation ever was 1958 in Vertigo. Saul Bass and John Whitney created the first computer animation used in a feature film with the spiraling elements from the opening sequence. So if you've ever seen the film, which if you're a film historian at all, Mm. you probably have, that opening sequence is actually computer-generated, which is insane. That's cool. Yeah. That's crazy pants. So moving on, some of the movies that we've talked about. So guys, just jump in with uh, Westworld and, of course, Future World a couple years later on 76, which was the sequel to that. They used 3D computer graphics for animating hands and faces and then used 2D digital composting to materials, characters over a background. Like green screening. That's still mind-blowing because you think about, you know, we didn't even have computers in our homes yet. And they, you know, were big giant things that took up whole rooms and here they are using them for films mm-hmm. and it just that just blows my mind there's a lot of tech nerds in special effects and i'm thinking by the 70s uh they were still big but i'm not sure they were room big because it, we're not too many years from pong true so moving on Star Wars. Now, initially, Star Wars was like, CGI, Star Wars, what the heck? During the trench run briefing, which I guess eventually turned into the Star Wars trench run video game, uh, used uh, wireframe graphics while they were talking hmm. about where to, where to fire the missile. Hmm. So, yeah, I mean, the, it's the just... little hologram type thing that popped up when they were discussing. Yeah. Right before you said shooting a womp rats. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Which I guess, you know, that makes a bit more sense than the, the, the West. Well, I shouldn't say Westworld because that was a very similar thing. But Future World sounds like it used it in a different way. Mm-hmm. Star Wars, I can understand, although I didn't. I thought that was just an animated like an overlay that they did. Like a, Yeah, I thought it was like another mat or whatever. Yeah, mat yeah. which they just overlaid on it. Just using like glow in the dark paint. Yeah. I thought that's what. They- George Lucas was using CGI long before the prequels. No wonder he fell in love with it. He's one of the innovators. (laughs) He's no Alfred Hitchcock. The trench run briefing sequence actually shot first. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Also, in the same vein of it, uh, during the movie Alien, wireframe models used for the navigation monitors and the landing sequences at the end. 
because it's so subtle in these movies. Because you think CGI are like, oh, yeah, they're going to superimpose the rock's face on a giant scorpion, you know. <laughs> <laughs> or you could have a waterfall of boat fuel. What was uh, from the Poseidon Adventure? Yeah, mm-hmm. that was, yeah. It was awful CGI. But yeah, it's I mean, initially it just seemed like it was very subtle until I don't know if any of you have seen the movie Looker. <laughs> OK, it's a Michael Crichton movie. Uh, Albert Finney, Susan Day and James Coburn. It's kind of science fiction sat- satire on standards of beauty, but they have a whole almost like a uh, real genius where they create a woman using CGI. Hmm. Yeah. Well, and what's interesting is that you look at the stuff prior to this and it is so subtle that even today we didn't even notice that it was there. And then all of a sudden they start trying to do characters and things, and then it becomes kind of glaringly obvious. Well, yeah, because those early ones, they're almost basically just using computers to uh, give a futuristic slant to, tra- to traditional animation techniques. That's why we could easily mistake that for just, oh, they did a wireframe-looking animation. Well, they, they kind of did. Yeah, you're, you're all like, oh, it's some kind of advanced animation, you know, which technically it kind of is, yeah. Like you yeah. Said. Yeah. But uh, moving on to Star Trek Wrath of Khan, Uh, the uh, industrial light and magic used fractal generated landscapes to do the Genesis effect. Remember that? That makes sense. Yeah, because that that was a pretty advanced effect. Yeah. It was was actually the first use of a graphic technique called particle systems. So it's almost like initially Josh, I'm sure Josh knows what the particle effects in the the, um, GPUs nowadays. You know, trying well, to get sure. there. And without doing something like that, any individual piece of the landscape, every rock, every bush, everything would have had to have been hand animated. Mm-hmm. So. And then after that, Tron. 15 minutes of fully computer generated goodness. The light cycle sequence and early facial animation for the MCP program. Blew my mind. The first ever all computer generated character, too, in bit. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, I totally spaced on that, too. Yeah, that's right. I, you know, I would have thought that one of the characters in the black hole might have been, but I think they were basically robots and or puppets. Yeah, and yeah, none of the characters in black holes were my favorite. That Those were all puppets. So you're thinking of like the robots that were floating around? Yeah. Yeah. No, in the black hole, it was the... um in the very beginning where they again what they had the vector almost like vector graphics of what a black hole looks like during the credits yeah they're opening yeah, credits opening credits and i'm tossing this one in there cuz it's interesting but gogol 13 joel probably knows this character Gosh, i love gogol 13 yeah i was going to uh, say a guy remember renting the video and playing it uh, on uh, campus at concordia yeah the the video game which was a huge pain in the ass uh, <laughs> Well, yeah, the NES game is the reason I sought out the movie at Blockbuster or might have even been the video store Joel was working at. Mm. First animated film to incorporate CGI. Digital models of guns, skeletons, helicopters, and skyscrapers were created in this and are used in the film's title sequence and portions of the movie. The rest of it is all traditional animation. Now I want to go back and watch that. I know. Huh. So, and now this, the next one up, one of Pat's favorite movies, so I will let him chime in on that one. 1984. Patrick here. 
I, oh, I you're talking you guys are going to talk about rock and roll. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got lost too. I'm like, what movie is he talking? Oh yeah. The last starfighter. Yeah. Um, I don't know why I love that movie, but I do quite a bit. I know why. Cause you're like, that man has absolutely no useful talents, but they found him a use for him. I have hope. Yeah. Is that the death blossom one? Is that last starfighter? Death blossom. Oh, the move yeah. at the, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yep. The special movie does at the end where he like spins and Yeah, the spinning the spinning, you know, wheel of death. Yeah. 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 That's all I remember about that movie. <laughs> That's literally all I remember. What? You don't yeah. remember that cool little monocle that flipped over the villain's eye? Nope. All I remember is the death blossom at the end. Huh. It looks like they use CGI for all the spaceship shots, replacing traditional models. First use of integrated CGI where the effects were supposed to represent real world objects. I don't know what that means. Well, it means that they were replacing things with CGI created items. So, and the other stuff that was like overlays or backgrounds, or this was actually like if there was a computer on the desktop, it was computer generated instead of an actual computer. Right. I get it. Okay. So that's interesting that, that, you know, here's this random movie that all of a sudden is kind of taking this next step. And it makes really makes me want to go back to watch these things again because I want to see what it looked like, you know? Yeah, see if you can pick it up. I'm sure we can. I mean, and that's, well, we'll get to. Not necessarily. Like, I mean, if it was just used back then just for touch ups and stuff like that in order to, just, you know, make something static appear, you know, I mean, we may not be able to see it. We didn't pick it up in Star Wars. Yeah, which is why we haven't noticed it till this day. True. I'm scrolling down the list because I want to see if we touch on one that. What's the next one we want to talk about? I got 2010, Year We Make Contact. It's it, it, I, The only reason I'm bringing it up because it's a sequel to one of the most lauded sci-fi movies out there. 2001, yeah. But Jupiter's Atmosphere was CGI rendered, which in this time is no small feat because it's it's one thing to have, like I said before, the static image of Jupiter, but to render the, the storm on Jupiter to move. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't even imagine what they had in 80, 84, how much processing power they had to have gotten together to just do that. And also just the, the interesting implication from that fact is the entire movie of 2001 had no CGI. Right. One year later, you get 1985, Young Sherlock Holmes, which is going to be one of the first examples I have a super clear memory of because they've got the first photorealistic CGI complete character done by Lucasfilm, uh, The Stained Glass Night. Yeah. And here it says he had 10 seconds of screen time, and it seemed so much longer in my memory. Because it was so impressive. And I think it was intercut because wasn't he fighting somebody else? Yeah, there were because the fight scene was longer than that. Uh, it's just because they cut to young Sherlock Holmes and they, and they would cut back to him. So that's why it seemed longer. It was 10, 10 total seconds in a probably like, you know, 30, 45 second battle. Yeah. I remember that because when we did our um, Sherlock Holmes show, I remember going back and watching that and I'd never seen it before. And it was it was kind of off putting, I think is the right word. But uh, it was still kind of a cool effect, for especially for the time period. That's the thing is, I didn't find it weird until years later. At the time, I was just like, wow, that thing's cool. It's it's a moving stained glass guy. So realistic. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, in, that, that again. looks like a real moving stained glass man. That looks like Frank down the street. <laughs> hey, guys. But, uh, yeah. No, the, so that and moving on. 
uh, Labyrinth, the first realistic CGI animal. And after the life of, I'm sorry, Flight of the Navigator before this, reflection mapping. This doesn't sound like a big thing, but it is. Because to be able to create a reflection in the CGI, which is honestly in the in the ship when it would change form and all that, it was super shiny on the outside. To be able to do that sort of processing and that sort of rendering in a in a movie was amazing. Was very oh. cool. well. That that's one of the first things that that can tip off that something is CGI if the reflections are off. Right, and it totally looks CGI, but it was used in the right way as a alien ship so we're like yeah that's maybe that's what alien ships look like i don't know i remember that now wow yeah it was a cool effect then i mean i, I remember that one of the things about that film was it the way that ship worked mm-hmm. how it huh. changed around yeah that's taking me back <laughs> that's the fun thing about this show sometimes sometimes all the time anytime hmm. i don't know i don't know uh-huh. Uh, Labyrinth, the first realistic CGI animal. I, and for the life of me, why can't I figure out what the hell they're talking hey, about? It's the owl at the beginning. Oh. oh! I was going to say, why would they talk about David Bowie like that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about David Bowie's junk. That's the just piece rude. CG. <laughs> moved. <laughs> uh, that's right. I totally forgot about the owl. And again, cool. For, again, for 1986, it was really awesome. For now, it's like, yeah, wow, that's that was made on an Amiga. Um, no, it wasn't. <laughs> no, it actually still looks pretty decent. It just like you wouldn't know it was CGI. Like it could easily have been mistaken for traditional animation again. Okay, yeah. I mean, I remember it seeing it. I haven't watched Labyrinth in a while, but I remember first seeing it and being impressed by it. So, uh, but again, Star Trek IV: The Movie, The Voyage Home, first three D morphing effect. Oh, probably when they transported the whale, I'm sure. Maybe. I highly doubt that they put a blue whale in the spaceship for the you know practical, <laughs> practical effects. You don't know. <laughs> the whale was real Scotty with CGI. <laughs> what a twist! Golden Child, first use of primitive photorealistic... Mo- realistic? Realistic. Yeah. Realistic Boogie, morphing. boogie, boogie, shoe. <laughs> I want that would that, that would be the whole scene, uh, two different scenes when um when when Brother Nufsva turns into the demon and all the 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 scenery falls away and he's in a giant pit of you know lava, lava. and and hell. That was obviously CGI. Yeah. Uh, what I like is the fact that you were able to just pull the villain's name out of your head. <laughs> right. <laughs> all I remember from that movie is I, I, I want the knife. That's all I remember. I, I love the golden child. Uh, I, I like it when he opens up the window and says, Hey, bird, you just see some sort of float around, Harry Carey kid? Yeah, you, you see some little naked kid floating around in a, in a robe? <laughs> but, and the other uh, morphing is the uh, snake woman that's in the basement of the Chinese restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> which was damn impressive. Underrated movie. Underrated movie. That's all I'm going to say. I'm not, I agree with you. Moving on. I don't know if it's brilliant. See? He's arguing. No, I mean yeah. a lot of pe- a lot of people talk about it still. Yep, Willow, extensive photo photorealistic use of morphing in a feature film where the woman turned into from a cat into a woman. Yep, yeah, pretty impressive. We all love Willow, I believe. I, you are correct. I've seen it once. <gasps> what? <gasps> huh? 
How you, how can you not love Mad Mardigan? You, you damn it! What? <laughs> I was, was going to say you make me Mad Mardigan, but you. Yeah. <laughs> ah, ah, okay. I like what you did there. I like what mm-hmm. you did there. Yeah, I like Warwick Davis, but I don't know. Never never spoke to me. Sorry. You don't like Val Kilmer? I, I, Val Kilmer's all right. Yeah, I don't think Val Kilmer's him. all right. Now he looks like you. You look like him. Uh, you guys are like brothers. Friggin' communist. Don't like Val Kilmer. What the hell is I wrong would with rather him? watch Real Genius than Willow, if you're going to talk about Val Kilmer. Yeah, and having heard how he uh, acts in person, I, I kind of don't like Val Kilmer, like, as a person. As an actor, he's fine. Well, that's what I'm talking about, is acting. Yeah. Yeah. The Abyss. 1989, the first digital 3D water effect with the water tentacle moving through the... Uh, the base and changing into people's faces, which blew yeah. people away back then. Who doesn't remember that? Looked pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, I remember seeing that in the theater and being very impressed with that. Like, whoa! That was one of the big first James Cameron CGI moments. Mm-hmm. And it it really did. I mean, the movie itself was meh, but okay. um, yeah. But at the same time, it the the effects I think were fantastic with that. It would push things forward. You know, it showed what was possible. And Cameron does that, as we will exactly. talk about a little bit later. For some reason, I actually included the picture of this character. The Jim Henson Hour has a real-time and rendered CGI character called Waldo that lasted for a very short time. That's interesting. Because you think Jim Henson, you think practical effects, you know, right? Yeah. puppets. Mm-hmm. And then the fact that they had a CGI puppeted character and a little known fact this is where the book series started because they misplaced him one day and you guys give me a hard time and you let him just go with that yeah because it's like he slaps us once in a while <laughs> you are constantly walking around just you know with your glove in hand slapping away all right you're getting me mad Martin. <laughs> <laughs> touche senior pussycat uh, <laughs> Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, the first all-digital composite. I don't know what the hell they're talking about on this one. Well, yeah, what, what, was a, what was a digitally composited? I, I would guess it would be Donovan's destruction at the end. It was partially CGI, partially uh, composited from practical effects. Well, when he drinks from the wrong cup? Hmm. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. That, that's going to be my knee-jerk just as a, Indiana, a resident Indiana Jones scholar. So digital composting, whatever the hell that word is, is the (laughs) process of digitally assembling multiple images to make a final images for print. So it's probably backgrounds. Hmm. Yeah. I do do know there was a little CGI in that with the blades that came out of the walls. With the penitent man kneels. Okay. There was there was a little bit of that in there. Moving on, Die Hard 2, first digitally manipulated matte painting, which is cool. Just basically the background, they... Oh, they made the painting and then, and then yeah. Yeah, so Photoshopped it. Yeah. Oh, huh. All right. Which now, that's a, that's a thing they do a lot to to make things look bigger or to, you know... Just touch-ups. Yeah. Cheap out on a set, you know? Okay, I, I just have to gloat a little bit because I, I went to Google... You wish to ah. go back in the conversation? Donovan's death sequence by Rapid Aging was the first all-digital composite. Oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> nice. 
Yeah, so, I just went to IMDb to hit the trivia. Nice. So this and the Winchester Cathedral, man, you're two for two on this it's one. Yeah. Fire. Well, he didn't get the acronym right. No. no. <laughs> Damn it, I'm giving him credit because that was that was hard. So, Joel, Robocop 2. Yes. First, real-time computer graphics or digital puppetry to create a character in motion picture. Yeah. When, um, what? I would say I'm assuming it's one of the giant killer robots. Well, they had several of the Robocop 2 models when they were trying to create, you know, a a newer, better version. And they were trying to, but the, the big thing was that they had Kane, who was, you know, the drug dealer that they ended up becoming robocop 2 his face was completely kind of like uh like in tron you know how the faces were digitally mm-hmm. mapped or created or or like in um lawnmower man it looked kind of like that but in like this robocop suit that was also animated it's not really it's not great but it's you know it's still a fun movie but yeah that, that was it was it was pretty heavy in there All right. i'm a robocop scholar you are. <laughs> uh, also, Backdraft, which was first use of photorealistic CGI fire in a motion picture. That's impressive because I didn't even notice it. Mm-hmm. I, I remember this when this came out, there was a lot of conversation about the fire looking as real as it did. Well, and they made it into another character like it was an animal. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, just going along with the theme of the movie, but I think the, the thing is about uh, especially... Uh, computer illustrating fire is what does fire look like? I mean, does fire, what, what shape does fire take? So I think it's in the computer modeling side of things, showing that you can create this image and then have it completely randomly go like fire would. You know, it's just sort of fire shaped. (laughs) (laughs) And put it in a jar. It looks like a jar. Yeah. Fire fire in a jar. jar. Mm hmm. Not a good idea. So, Patrick, you want to take this one? You're the Terminator scholar. Terminator 2, Judgment Day, the first realistic human movements on a CGI character, the first partially computer-generated main character, and the first blockbuster movie to feature multiple morphing effects. Mm. First use of a personal computer to create major movie 3D effects. Oh, first use of a PC. Instead of, like, a mainframe, I guess, is what they're saying. Mm. And again, you think about the Abyss, and then you think about what he did with that, and he carried that tech to this. And then created the character that walks around and yeah, just the you know, I remember I remember how impressive it was watching the T one thousand for the very first time when he starts doing all his morphing stuff and you know you're just like what yeah or, or when he pours into the helicopter yes that that is one of the best CGI scenes of all time and what's funny is that we think about that and then you we think about our the show we did for Dark Fate and. Now it's just like, oh, okay, he's doing the morphin thing again. You know, it's not, it's just a thing now. You know, we don't even think twice about it. But then it was like mind blowing. You can download an app to morph pictures, you know, now on your, on your damn phone. I mean, morphing, the morphing stuff is so common now. That's crazy. Well, James Cameron, love him or hate him. He, uh, he's definitely been a pioneer. Uh, After that, death becomes her. First human skin CGI software. Which I for looked when, it up. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say for when they, when uh, Meryl Head Streep, Meryl Head, Meryl Head Streep? Meryl <laughs> Meryl Streep's head got, got turned around on her body. So they had to 
they had to render the skin around her neck to make it look like it was twisted up. Well, Goldie Hawn had the hole through her, so they had to show the background. Well, that was that was that was green screen stuff. They just put a big green spot Did on it. Yeah, oh, I thought that was, that's what they were because in the. I mean, well, it's still CGI, but it wasn't like they didn't have to do any skin for that. Oh, sorry. I got you. I was all excited. I'm like, I remember that part. Oh no, I don't. I mean, I remember what happened to Meryl Streep, but I guess Pat's our resident death becomes her scholar. <laughs> <laughs> he is now. Lord help us if anybody's a scholar of the next film. I would have thought that the Lawnmower Man was out long before 1992 because the effects in that were really not that good. No, they were comically bad looking back at them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you look at the stuff before, after, and around it, you know, you're like, this looks like nothing like well, its contemporaries. I mean, the Lawnmower Man, when he goes that, when he goes VR, he looks almost like Master Control Program from Tron again. <laughs> well, yes. I was just about to say. The Lawnmower Man looks like it belongs more in the Tron era than it does mm-hmm. in the Jurassic Park era. Yes. yes. And, and Terminator 2 era, you know? I mean... Anytime you compare something in 1993 or in the 90s to Jurassic Park, it's going to pale. But Lawnmower Man was kind of the first uh, canary in the coal mine to be like, hey, maybe this is a danger sign. Maybe we should you know, be careful how we use CGI. Because it can blow up in our face. Yeah, because you know, you know, too much CGI done badly by you know companies that aren't very well trained in it doesn't look very good. True, it's so bad. So Aladdin. I didn't realize until after the fact. Oh, can I call? Can I see if I'm? I'm I catch it. Right, go ahead. You didn't know the Cave of Wonders was CGI. Well, that's the thing. Is the Cave of Wonders was obvious, and when he's escaping from the Cave of Wonders, it's. I, it's I, that's my favorite Disney film, and no matter how many times I watch it, that part bugs the crap out of me because it looks so different and so bad compared to everything else. And again, if you're comparing it to things like Jurassic Park, that was out at the time, it's like, how did Disney drop the ball? But then I I heard after the fact that the carpet was CGI too, mm-hmm. and the carpet I I never have caught anything with the carpet that makes me go, that's unanimated, you know, yeah. traditionally. And I don't know how that's so night and day. And that's why I wanted to talk about it, is how do you have a film, especially something like that, where, you know, Lawnmower Man, okay, it's a horror movie that's kind of low budget, whatever. But then Aladdin, they've got all this money to throw at it, and they have two totally different effects. I'll tell you what happened. They were like, oh, my God, look at team number one's doing the carpet. It looks all amazing. And the other side was, hey, we, we, we team two's doing Cave of Wonders. You want to take a look at that? We did Lava. <laughs> and we're doing the background for that scene. <laughs> yeah, you know the part where the carpet goes flying. My my, my boy did it on his Commodore sixty four. Can we stick it in there? Wait, it's only about thirty seconds. Let the interns do it. Yeah, <laughs> right. No, but you're right. There is. I mean, in in that movie, where you think there would be such a high production value for Disney that there are some moments in that that kind of pull you out. Yeah. You know, and it's unfortunate because it because it, it is pretty amazing some of the stuff they do, and then that happens. But again, I mean, it's rendering rendering a giant room of lava coming down on Aladdin. What is their ability for that versus just a kind of like a dancing rectangle, which is pretty much what the carpet was? I don't know. When he's flying up through through the various parts of the cave to get out of the mouth, 
it's just it looks like a bad video game anyway yeah i remember you were actually complaining about the cgi in the cave of wonders and lava sequence like at the time back in the 90s and here we are like I knew you were gonna talk. I knew you were gonna talk about Aladdin because I distinctly remember that from when Aladdin was new. Huh. It still bugs me, but I still love it, regardless. So after that, the big boy, the first photorealistic CG creatures uh, added to the Nas- United States National Film Registry in 2018, Jurassic Park. This was the jaw dropper, and this is like where the bar was set for the next. 20 years next still i mean really let's be honest yeah people are there are movies that are still trying to live up to the effects in this movie and then haven't <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean it's it's really it's it's crazy how far ahead of the curve spielberg was in this movie whoever he had doing all of the special effects they did a, just a, an amazing job it still holds up I mean there's no cave of wonders type scene there's no nothing in this movie where you look back on it. even the scene where they impose the, the you know uh, the girl's face over the stunt double you know that's that still to this day looks flawless yeah i have no i have no faults with jurassic park it's 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 pretty damn seamless and that was that was one of the things when it came out was everybody i mean i remember seeing it for the first time going to the theater sitting in the and when that first I forget what do they call it nowadays. Did I want to say Brontosaurus, but they know it's got a different name it's nowadays. A Patasaurus. It's a Patasaurus pa- now. A Patasaurus? Yeah. So it's just... I have I have my own dinosaur. <laughs> Pat this is <laughs> P it's with a D, not a T. I yeah. uh, sorry, Pat. You've broken my dreams. Uh but in the theater when that first dinosaur showed up, there was there were audible gasps. Yeah. And it's just because they and they did such a great transition with the giant dinosaurs with the with with them and then making the transition from them being out in the distance and seeing the dinosaurs there to moving into the close ups were like when they're in they're hiding in the tree and now it's a big puppet. You know, I think the reason they look so good is because it was you see them from far away in that those opening scenes and they look amazing in that big field, but then when you get up close, he Spielberg knew don't CGI it up close. He then he made the puppet. He made the you know the the smaller dinosaurs weren't CGI, so that way you your brain kind of adapted to it and accepted the original image. Right. I mean, still the 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 bar was set at this one, and I. But what, I mean, one of the one of the the bars that he set was true good quality CGI. Is not noticeable. That's what makes it good. Mm-hmm. Like if you can't tell something is was made on a on a computer versus you know filmed, that's good CGI. And that's the only movie I've, I rarely go see a movie theater. I saw that movie three times in three different states. Huh. Yep. Why did you go to different states to see it? Well, I lived in Missouri, and then I saw it in Kansas, and then I saw it in New Jersey when I was visiting my cousin. Oh. So every time he goes out of state, he goes to see it somewhere. Yep. Still to this day, I'm gonna start doing. That's my new thing. Like, I'm gonna go see it whenever it's at like a revival theater or something. All right. So <laughs> next, <laughs> that's gonna be my. We got a couple. I don't know where to take that. Couple TV shows, Veggie Tales, first completely computer animated direct-to-video releases. 
Yeah. And then uh, same year, you got Babylon 5, which is the first TV series to use CGI, like, for almost everything. And uh, first TV show to use virtual sets. Ah, hmm. uh, yeah. yeah well, I remember. Yeah, first show. Yep. Yep. First show yeah. to use it. Right. And then a couple, well, a year later? Yeah. 94, yeah, yeah, Radi- yeah. Radio Land Murders comes out and is the first one to use virtual sets on uh, a movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't even realize that. See, and that's exactly it. You don't, the best CGI is a CGI that you don't know what's happening. I will say that the B5 CGI did not age particularly well. No. But at that's least the writing funny. did. So <laughs> there's something. After Radio Land Murders, Joel, I put this one in there. The Crow, the first deceased actor to be recreated through CGI. Hmm. Which I don't know how much they did with actual cgi versus having a stunt double and just showing them from behind but i know they use some to make things believable which they're probably like brushing up a lot of like profile type stuff and things like that i know they did it again in um fast and the furious after paul walker died and i, oh, I, th- think... I thought you were gonna say they did it with brandon lee like why would they put brandon lee in <laughs> no he didn't but the only the only well we'll get to the only actor I can think of that was fully recreated, but that we'll talk about that now. All right. So after that, Waterworld, the first realistic CG water. Hmm. The P was real. Sadly, it was in Waterworld. <laughs> uh, okay, so skipping over that, yeah, let's Toy Story, more. the first CGI feature-length animation added to the state's National Film Registry in 2005. Nice. Again, Another one of those movies you go in, you're just blown away. Yeah. Uh, 96, uh, quick shout out to the island of Dr. Moreau because it was the first motion capture. So you see the actors uh, with all the suits with the little ping pong balls on them. Oh. Get the realistic movement. Yeah. First in uh, 96 in Island of Dr. Moreau. Yeah. The very cool technology said it had to be in the Island of Dr. Moreau. Yeah. Oh, boy. 97. 97 was when Lucas went a little nuts. Yep. CGI characters and elements in all the Star Wars prequels. Nope, that's special editions. Oh, oh special nope. editions. That's Sorry. The, the original three. Yeah. That's, I remember uh, seeing those in the theater. One of them I had to like scrape change together to buy the ticket. Yeah, that's Which, where he, the CG uh, Jabba. Yeah, uh-huh. and the CG uh, singer. Damn it, I dropped their name. Oh. We don't need her name. No, not the, the 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 things that Stormtroopers writing. I always want to call them Banthas. Dubak, Dubaks, yeah. Where they added some Dubaks in there, yeah. more droids and things. And it was, at the time, it was like, oh, this is going to be cool. And then afterwards, you're like, well, now I want the originals. And like, yeah, the Dubaks weren't too bad. The singing, like the Cantina, not size noodles, size yeah. uh, noodles, and the uh, that stick legged sing thing with the lips. That's size noodles. That's size noodles. Uh, yeah, well, I knew what yeah, a back was. He's talking about um, Church of the Bee, uh, the blue keyboard player, Max um, Rebo. Max Rebo. Max Rebo. Oh man, he's a shit. But the, yeah, the, thing they went, they, the thing that was added, what, yeah, that was size noodles. Yeah, yeah. size noodles. Yeah. Well, they yeah, went it was, into it was a complete, whole... completely unnecessary. You know? Yeah, the whole musical number was just because it was just it was changing something that just didn't need a change it just really didn't and i mean it was kind of cool to see the extra scene with han solo but 
was it necessary? Especially considering Jabba was all out of scale for that scene. He was just yeah. awkwardly too small. And and honestly, yeah. it, it ruins some of the mystique of Jabba to have him come to somebody. Because like, the whole thing of Jabba is, I'm this giant space slug. I'm not going to move for you. You come to me. Yeah, and I'll, if I want you, I'll, go, I'll get you. Mm-hmm. I got plenty of people to come find you. Mm-hmm. I will have you brought to me. Yeah, that's the sort of thing that probably should have remained as like a DVD extra. It's like, yeah. this is a lost scene that we almost used. Here it is with CGI. Right. Because who doesn't want to see an extra Han Solo scene? You know? well, Lucas was just, honestly, he was just showing off at that point. He's like, this is what I really originally wanted to do, and I can do it now. So I don't care how good it looks. I'm just going to do it. He didn't give a shit what anybody said. A couple people told him, like, nah, we don't need it in there. Bad, whatever. And he's just like, nope, I, I wanted to do this originally. I'm going to do it now. <laughs> All right. So then the Titanic. First wide release feature film with major elements rendered under the open source Linux operating system, which is significant, and also included a number of advances specifically in flowing water. Again, James Cameron. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. He, he just kept pushing the envelope, and that was another big effects movie. Mm -hmm. So, Fight Club. This is a weird one. Because 1999 was a weird year for CGI. It was a big league. Pretty big year. Yeah. yeah. Fight Club had the first photogrammarity grammarity? based virtual cinematography scene. Photo photogrammetry, I think. Photogrammetry, which had the first bullet time sex scene with the fully naked body renderings of famous actors in leading roles, Helena Bonham Carter and Brad Pitt, renderings of different settings with both extreme close-ups and wide shots. And the first very photorealistic close-up of rendering of a human face, which belongs to Edward Norton. So this has a detailed facial deformation and extreme close-ups when they're getting punched, starting at the cell level of the brain, flying through the different layers of tissues, follicle, and skin with the sweat droplets. Nice. Yeah. It's cool. It's cool to watch. I mean, it's it adds a kind of... Um, it's not so realistic anymore. It makes it more of a... I don't want to say fairy tale, but, you know, makes it a little bit more sci-fi. I don't know what to call it. All right. So photogrammetry is the art, science, and technology of obtaining reliable information about physical objects in the environment through the process of recording, measuring, and interpreting photographic images and patterns of electromagnetic radiant imagery and other phenomena. Well, yeah, why didn't you just ask me? I would have told you that. <laughs> right. a scholar on photogrammetry. <laughs> also in 99 we got the the second of the big three you got the matrix which yeah. uh first time you've got uh heavy bullet time used throughout lots of action shots yeah the bullet time the creation was created super yeah. cool one of the things that i liked about it is the flexing of reality and those like when the helicopter swings down and they hit the side of the glass oh. And everything ripples first. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, this was a huge leap forward. Yeah, along with the gun the gun range uh, scene where what do you need? Guns, lots of guns. And that whole, all those racks of guns come out of nowhere. So they had that gigantic CGI room also. Yeah, that, that whole movie, though, is just, I mean, you watch it now and uh, sure, especially in the later two, you kind of can pick up on things a little more. But at the time, it was like, we've never seen anything like this before, ever. It, it might have been the first DVD I ever purchased, just because I really wanted to get a good look at all that stuff again. Yeah. And it still holds up. One of my 
one of my favorite sci-fi franchises. It really does. You'd think back in 99, but then, you know, with Fight Club, honestly, before we started doing this, I did not know that there was CGI in Fight Club. But I've only seen it a couple times. Really? Huh. Yeah. Yeah. And then after The Matrix, Star Wars, what I was thinking of about earlier, The Phantom Menace is the first film to use CG extensively for thousands of shots, including backgrounds, environmental effects, vehicles, crowds, characters, all of them, and supporting cast members. Even George Lucas. Yes. <laughs> yeah, this is when George Lucas went a little bit, a little bit nutso cuckoo on the, on the, on the, nutso cuckoo? Nutsy cuckoo. <laughs> Not so whatever. He went crazy. It was a singer in the, in the 50s. <laughs> I think it was part of Sice Noodles Band. <laughs> it was cuckoo for CG puffs. <laughs> the fight scene between the giant creatures and Anakin and, and um, Obi-Wan and Amidala and everything, that whole scene. I remember being in the theater going, oh, this is just too much. Yeah, that's not Phantom Menace. That's the second one. Is it? Attack of the Clones. Yep, that's definitely uh, Attack of the Clones. Okay, good. All right, well, still... Anakin was a little kid in the first one. That's right. Uh, that's right. But yes, he still went. It still felt like it was... There, there's a there's a fine line between being full and being so full that you explode when you eat one more yeah. thin little paper weight. Yeah, this one this one wasn't as bad. That's right. It had the, the pod race scene and you know, yeah. a couple other ones. Yeah, it was... This one... Oh, it was also one of the first big films where Lucas was pushing like all digital projection as opposed to actually using film. It's not right. the first film to ever do that, but like this combination of all these CG effects and digital projection was big news at the time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I remember that for sure. And the crowds, like all the all the droids and everything fighting at the end, the Gungans, I guess. Uh, <laughs> uh, is that a Gungan? Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was Boss like, Nash. Oh, okay. I always think Remember? of the skinny, yeah, the skinny ones. I'm gonna share it with my girlfriend Laquisha. <laughs> <laughs> That's not Boss Nash. <laughs> yeah, I just rewatched these not so long ago because I wanted to give them an even shake and uh had just seen the newest Star Wars, so may as well revisit the uh, first three. Or well not first three, but you know what I mean. The prequels. Yeah. So yeah. Right. So that wraps up the two thousands. I mean wraps up nineties. Wraps up to then. Then. If you're still with us when we come back, we're going to go through the <laughs> 2000s for hour three. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we will be back in a little bit. So CGI in the now, post-2000, 2001, I actually remember being with Josh at Best Buy when a guy was watching a teaser trailer for this, the fan Final Fantasy Spirits Within movie. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think Josh remembers that. No, I actually kind of vaguely do. Yeah, because we, we gave him shit for uh, putting on bootleg stuff on the uh, Best Buy screens. Yeah, Final Fantasy Spirits Within... It was a big deal at the time. It was a big deal. I had such high hopes. That was the the, the movie that the whole thing looked like a computer cut screen cut shot. Yeah, it right? looked like a cut a cut scene, basically. Yeah. yeah, and it was a little uncanny valley. I never yeah. saw it. 
I actually own it. I got it. I think it like Blockbuster and the cutout or not cutout, but the previously viewed thing for like five bucks on DVD. It's not bad, but in my opinion, it's not Final Fantasy. The, I think what Josh says, climbing out of the uncal, it was it was that climb out of the uncanny valley at that one, but it was still kind of unsettling. Yeah, it's not quite the Polar Express, but <laughs> it's a little slow. But you know, it's it's decent. I mean, it's a decent uh, sci-fi movie. Yeah, I mean, but we're I mean, we're talking about the you know like the design of everything. It was the Aki Ross was the main character, and she was actually the world's first artificial actress. Which is pretty cool. Hmm. Yeah. Artificial yeah. actress. Artificial actress. Like like that movie Simone? Sure. You're talking about the one with... Pacino? Uh, was it Pacino? Yeah. Was it Simone? Was it, right? was it Pacino? Yeah, it was yeah, Pacino. It, was, it wasn't De Niro. So it must have been Pacino, because it's one of yeah. the... <laughs> Yeah. Toby Wong, Toby Chong, <laughs> Charlie motherfucking Chan. Because Joe Pesci's off on the side going, what about me? I'm over here. Over here. Over here. I'm like, no. Sorry. Uh, I love your Woody Allen impression of Joe Pesci. <laughs> it's pretty spot on. <laughs> Moving on to Jimmy Neutron. Jimmy Neutron, boy genius. It's almost claymation-ish. First CGI feature-length movie made using off-the-shelf hardware and software. So they just went to Best Buy and bought some software and made a movie? Basically. It's off-the-shelf. Hmm. Yeah. And um, back into the CGI thing with the off-the-shelf stuff, a little bit more for the now, but further down. But we watched High Tech, High Something or Other, a few shows ago. The girl they finds the alien robot type of thing. What I forgot what we... Did it up against ET or something like that? I don't even know. Yeah, what, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Next gen, next, next gen, gen, yeah, yeah, that's on Netflix. That one was actually done. I believe that was the first feature film done entirely with open source software. So the whole thing was made with um, Blender, which is a program you can download straight off the interwebs and create your own stuff with it. That's really uh, pretty powerful for free. And that movie was, I mean, one of the things we talked about with that movie was kind of how it was very pretty. Like, it was really nice to look at. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And moving on to there, Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring and the Two Towers has Andy Serkis playing Gollum for use of AI digital actors. And that Andy Serkis won many awards for his role as Gollum and was freaking amazing. Yeah, I mean, the CGI technology, this is going to be the first example I can think of where it's elevated by using so many other traditional techniques alongside. It's not quite as subtle as Mad Max, but you've got a lot of practical effects with full CGI characters and CGI enhancements for monsters or whatever. I mean, Gollum really was though the first like full mo- motion, full-on CGI character that did not look fake. Yes, and you can I mean, think it was it was, it was incredible. I mean, they did it. They did such a good job of making him look realistic and look like he was part of of the scene with the two actors he was in there with. Yeah, well, I think part of it was that um, they were so focused on using more than just 
special effects. They had, I mean, this thing was chock full. I mean, practical effects all over the place, all the way down to, hey, we're going to make Gandalf look really big. So he'll stand closer to the camera and you stand further away and pretend you're standing next to him. I mean, it's, I think that's partially the reason why Gollum looks so great is that they didn't default to CGI for so much that it was noticeable. Uh, You were talking about the different sizes. This is a little drifty from cgi but uh that practical effect one of the weird trivia things is they had to have two sizes for all props depending on who interacted with them to carry off the perspective illusion it was almost three sizes but john rice davies is so fucking huge that he's dwarf sizes in compared to the hobbits so they didn't need a separate scale for dwarves huh yeah he's just that much bigger than all those guys and you can thank uh, Weta Workshop for all the the effects, like the digital effects anyway, for sure. Yeah. I mean, they they uh, kind of brought it into a new, a new, a whole new thing, you know, when they came around. Mm. Good old New Zealand company. Now, next yeah. one up. Oh, go ahead, Pat. No, no, I was just, just going to add on to that and say that, you know, that movie really bumped up the the bar for what could be done with CGI as far as realism. Oh, yeah. And it's it's like the post-2000 Jurassic Park. For I mean, instead of dinosaurs, it's people. Throngs and throngs of orcs and elves. Battle of yeah. Helm's Deep. Fantastic stuff. But Ice Age, why is this, besides being kind of a terrible movie? I, I um, like Ice Age. Yeah, it, it, it wears on you eventually. Uh, first full-length feature film animated with and it rendered with ray tracing which is like um how to put it it's where they build like a wireframe of the characters and then lay skins on top of them that's the best way to describe it which gave virtual claymation uh not even not even that but the thing about the ray tracing is yes it is if i say it it is you're so smart patrick (laughs) He is a talent. I'm going to buy you a biscuit. Yay. Um, nom, 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 nom. But it allows better um, graphical effects and better CGI for things like fur and hair. So that's why, you know, you've got Ray Romano playing um, the furry elephant thing. What is that called? <laughs> Wooly Mammoth. Wooly Mammoth, yeah. <laughs> and all the others, I mean, you, that's when they first started getting the really good jo- good uh, shit together with the with fur and that sort of stuff. All I can think is Sid, and that's that's John Leguizamo playing the sloth, which was my favorite character, but I can't. Yeah. Dennis Leary was a saber-toothed tiger. I can't think oh, of any of the other ones' uh, names, though. Yeah. It, I, I have to I have to defend it. Is that, it. The first one is pretty damn funny. When they're on, like, the fourth one, it gets kind of old. <laughs> Seymour, wasn't that one of the other guys' names? No. Seymour no. the Biscuit. <laughs> he was an unknown character. Yeah. He got eaten. And then Matrix comes back for 2003 with Matrix Reloaded with the Burly Brawl, which is they use a universal capture, a combination of dense rather than point-based motion capture. I don't know what that means. Yeah, I don't either. But anyway, it's a big fight with Neo against all the agent uh, Smith. Smiths. That was a pretty cool scene. And it and it looked cool at the time, but when you go back and rewatch it, everybody's really like smooth and Pl- plasticky. 
yeah, it doesn't it doesn't hold up as well. I thought it, I thought it looked well for the environment, you know, because they're not real people anyway. They shouldn't look that real. That's what you say about everybody. Yeah, most people aren't. But uh, no, the Burly Brawl was actually honestly they used a lot of the bullet time skills in there trying to get the full 360 with the with the cameras and everything. But it's they had the digital look likes multiple multiple Mister Smiths getting tossed around. And then moving on to a movie that I reluctantly say that I really enjoy Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow. I had a hard time with that one. I watched it and I was excited for it. And I was like, huh. I never saw it. I watched. I uh, liked it quite a bit and it made me a little mad that the overall reaction to it was incredibly lukewarm because, I mean, it wasn't brilliant or anything, but at least it was an original IP. And that was mm-hmm. at a time where everything was adapted and, and we're still kind of in it from like a book or a TV show or something like a comic. And it was yeah, I, like a sci-fi, a genre piece that wasn't adapted from anything. And I appreciated that. Mm-hmm. And it looked cool. And it had this. Yeah, well, it had that really cool, like turn of the century image to it. And the entire thing is done. Pat, if you haven't seen any trailers for it, it's. Well, yeah, I know. What it, I, I'm familiar with at least the look of it. Yeah, but absolutely nothing was done on location. Everything was a 3D generated set. And they even, Josh, who was the guy whose head was in the... Uh... Oh, uh, yeah, they re- sort of resurrected an actor. Yeah. A huge actor, and I should know this. I know. But, it, I mean, the whole look, the the while you think about it and look it up, the whole influence of this thing was, imagine if they made a sci-fi movie based off the 1933 Chicago World's Fair. So you had like robot monsters running around that looked like that. And then they were really convincing. Almost like a steampunk look. Yeah, more more like 30s, like uh, noir punk. It was Sir Lawrence Olivier. Yeah. I almost said that as a joke. I should have just said it. Damn it. Yeah, it really was. Yeah. Fuck, I should have just said it and you guys would have been impressed. And then you would have gotten two biscuits. Oh, I missed out (laughs) on the biscuits. See? (laughs) It, the rest of my life, yeah. I'm going to know I'm a biscuit short. Yeah, they, they resurrected Sir, Lin- Sir, Sir Lawrence Olivier for actual speaking roles and him having being the guy who like triggered off this this huge world ending event as a giant floating head. And I think they, they patched together lines of his and made him a, a full character in the movie, which yeah, is it- pretty damn cool. It's weird that uh, they don't credit this with first digital resurrection of a deceased actor, because if this isn't it, that it seems to me that it should have been something that was mentioned somewhere, even if this wasn't the first. Yeah, where was it? Yeah. Yeah, that's a big ethical issue now, where they're talking about whether or not certain companies will do this or that. Should there be a new Humphrey Bogart movie coming out? No. Yeah. Because, because with the deep fakes, they're getting real close. Yeah. I'll agree with that, but this one is more, I mean, honestly, I think the reason they didn't put so much into it is because it was a, I think almost like an homage, because it wasn't like he was a main character through the whole movie. It was like you only saw him at the end, at the, like, the beginning of Act 3 type of thing. It's just weird to me that that issue isn't at all listed in all of our firsts. Mm -hmm. That seems to me that's a big one that they didn't bother to mention. I just went through the notes and I don't see reference to, and I probably should have thrown it in here at some point, the whole Rogue One thing, which you want to talk about adding a 
that's deceased actor as an actual main character. Well, well, and that's kind of what Josh was referencing in, in how it's a hot button issue now. I mean, that that kind of brought it to the forefront, being such a major movie. Mm-hmm. How far how far should you take it once somebody dies if you want to use their image? Well, I mean, people were having problems with oh God, who danced with the broom? Oh, Gene Kelly. Gene Kelly uh, dancing with the. What is Gene? Ke- no, uh, no, it wasn't Gene Kelly. It was the other guy, Baldar. Fred Astaire. Fred Astaire. Fred Astaire. Yeah. Yeah. Fred Astaire dancing with the broom, and everybody was like, "What the what?" And that was using actual footage, just CGIing in a, a vacuum cleaner. That wasn't even like you know, well, making new footage with a dead person. Yeah, I mean, and they, and they got that up in arms about it. Don't even want to talk about the ethical things of CGIing in vacuum cleaners. <laughs> I mean, what if that vacuum cleaner is not around anymore? I don't know where I'm going with this. Someone rescue me. Tupac performed it like the with the 3D image at Lollapalooza or something, didn't he? So. Tupac's not dead. He's working at the 7-Eleven over at Pat's house with Elvis. <laughs> I just saw him with the gas station. Yes. All right. So after that, the Polar Express. Oh, boy. Yikes. Kind of terrifying that in Uncanny Valley that we uh, kind of had, we're climbing out of with uh, Spirits Within, jumped right back in. It's hard to believe that that movie came after Gollum. Right. It's terrifying. The biggest problem I have with this is we got that Tom Hanks conductor character looks just like my dad. Yeah. And it kind of freaks me out. It's creepy. The whole thing is creepy. And I don't understand, like, they're every every freaking Christmas. Hey, Polar Express, here, traumatize your kid this year. Show him this. Everybody looks so plasticky. That Uncanny Valley, especially the worst part of that entire movie, is a CGI Steven Tyler elf <laughs> at the end. I've never seen this movie, so. Uh, really? Well, I, yeah. I can't see why you would ever seek I, it I out. I have purposely avoided it. Yeah, no thank you. Yeah, I think I first saw it last year, and it was just because it was a movie that was playing at the school right around the holidays. And I kind of had to. You can see Tom Hanks in three roles that are all terrifying. Yeah, I mean... (laughs) Dude, when he plays the hobo, it freaks me out. I don't like the hobo. Well, I mean, you have reasons not to like the hobo. Hobo Jojo. Ever since the accident. Hobo Jojo. Ever since the assault. (laughs) <laughs> I got assaulted by a mojo hobo. What? Um, <laughs> what am I talking about? Anyway, I so, don't know. <laughs> I'm not going down this path with you. Ugh. All right, so CGI de-aging with X-Men Last Stand. Someone's got to refresh my memory on this one because I don't remember seeing it. Was the, it was the one where they did the, the, the opening scene of Magneto and uh, Xavier going to see Jean when she was like six years old, 11 years old, something like that. And yeah, they de-age both the actors. So they, they, they smooth them out kind of like a, like an Instagram filter. So oh. they looked younger and you know, this is back when they're still friends and they go to get her and she freaks out and the house gets destroyed and it's a mess. The whole neighborhood gets, gets uh phoenixed basically. Ew. But it, it wasn't, they, they did much better later, but for a first attempt, I mean, it's not, it's not hideous. Uh, yeah, it's not like shockingly bad. But it's clear that it's, it's, it's just clear that it that, that they, just, they just took their skin and smoothed it out. Yeah, they they literally just smoothed out the wrinkles. That's pretty much all they did. Yeah, but it was the first. Oh, I was gonna say that's gotten amazingly better nowadays with the Marvel movies. 
like with Ant-Man. Yeah, yeah Ant-Man yeah. 2, and well, we're going to get to it here in a minute, but... All right, or wait, no, we're not. We're talking about a different aspect. Uh, Ant-Man 2, what was the other one that they did that? Ant-Man the Antening? <laughs> Ant-Man 2, even more anti. The Terminator movie, Dark Fate. Well, they did... We don't even have that one in there because we just talked about it, but... That's, but they, that's, that's one a, that they did it in. You were just asking. That that's de aging plus adding an actor that is uh, far older than the character that he's in the than the character in the movie. They did a really good job of that there, though. Like, it's pretty pristine. Nice. All right, and I have to rescind my previous statement because about what we talked about with next gen. It was not next gen. It was a movie called Elephant's Dream that was first all open source software. Uh, CGI movie that was actually made with Blender. It was a short film. Maybe maybe the difference was this is a short film and this was, the other one was a full full length feature film. Or maybe uh, because Next Gen didn't have a theatrical release. Could be. Anyway, Next Gen was just a couple of years ago though. It's not that old. Yeah. Elven Stream, two thousand six. The, the Bohemoth. The highest profiting movie of all time, and I still don't understand why. The biggest movie of all time. Name one character from it, Pat. Avatar. Uh, wheelchair guy. <laughs> I Very still good. Seen it. A general guy. Uh, I was gonna say uh, Sigourney Weaver. A native girl guy. Native Papa girl. Smurf? Yes. Yeah, the blue, the blue navies. I, I remember their name. Literally hated this movie. I I just I don't understand necessarily why I have so much hate for it, but I just I think it was because there was so much hype and everybody was like, "Oh my god, it's so good! You got to go see it!" And I saw it and I was like, "Eh." I mean, it it was pretty, but I mean, the the movie itself, it just the plot was. I liked it better when it was Dancing with Wolves. I liked it better when it was Pocahontas. I liked it better when it was all kind of, same movie in in like so many different for you know it just. If I want if I want something that looks really, really pretty but has no plot, I'll go to a theme park. Or a porn. I was warned that it was like that. So that basically, okay, this is Pocahontas again. So I, I was focusing not on like expecting this amazing story or I was expecting a movie that looked really, really good. And it looked really fucking good. And see, that's why it's annoying to me because all I heard from everybody was like, oh, this you know this this is the new way of making movies and it's new everything and it's like so amazing and brilliant you got to see it don't miss it because I I just kept telling people it's like I just don't really have any desire to see it and, oh you can't miss it it's gonna you know it's revolution you better see it on the big screen because you're never exactly, gonna that was exactly what they were you know because like you can't see this you know you know on on your computer or home or you got to see it on the big screen with the whole experience so I was like all right fine and I went with some people and they all loved it and I was just like eh. I yeah. mean, I didn't hate it, but it just was nothing near like what I was. So, yeah, maybe that's part of the problem, I guess. I don't know that it was so built up to me. No, well, I mean, Cameron had the idea. But for like two weeks, that's all anybody in the poker room would talk about. They wouldn't shut up about it. Sorry, that's the last I'm going to say. Well, like I said, I've never and seen another it. Th- no, <laughs> I've not seen it, so I don't know. I can't talk. What? Yeah, I'm not going to watch a movie that's that hyped up. Because I'm going to automatically hate it because I'm not a Cameron fan, really, anyway. And and he doesn't like anything that's popular. That's true. I, I don't want to go into it with the thing with what happened to Patrick, where everybody was like, 
Well, you don't have to. I'm telling you, spread. it sucks. I'm telling you right now, it sucks. So you it was pretty it. though. I mean, honestly, for, if it was, if it was, if I watched that and it was a CGI cutscene on a video game, I would be super impressed. Exactly. That's exactly how I felt about it. I'm like, you know, all this cut up would be amazing as cutscenes in a great game. I just want to. As a movie, I just was never invested in any of it. I'm gonna try tail tail sex. Oh boy. And if you did miss it on the big screen, I know they kind of use that as a joke. There's no point in seeing it now. Like if you had a couple hours to kill and it was in an IMAX or it was in a THX, it still would look really good. But I wouldn't bother with watching it like on, on a TV. Yeah, because you, I mean, you've you missed a lot of the point of it. I mean, the point of it was to kind of to be assaulted, your senses to be assaulted. I don't know. It'd, it'd, it'd be like going to Las Vegas and never leaving the airport. And in defense, there's a lot of shit going on at that airport. Yeah, but I mean... I got lost in that airport. I thought I was in Vegas. <laughs> look, at all the, look at all the games. I must be here. He's sleeping in the chapel like, these beds are horrible. So, moving on to... I've got Up on here. Computer animated feature being nominated for the Academy Award for Best Picture. Well-deserved. Yes. That opening scene. I know it's a, I know it's a, a meme trope now, but I mean, really, that opening scene is like one of the best romantic mo- comedy. Well, not comedies. One of the best oh. romantic plot lines put out on screen in fucking decades. Oh, the first ten minutes. Yeah. It'll yeah. rip your heart out. Yeah, I yeah, would go, exactly. go see it with the girls. I'm just like, oh hell, here we go. Give me the popcorn bucket Daddy's putting on in his head. Can't handle this. <laughs> Dad's got to go to the bathroom. There's something in my eyes. I got popcorn salt in my eyes. <laughs> so we put in here, first CGI body replacement, Captain America, the first Avenger, Avenager. Yeah, they took Chris Evans' head and put it on somebody else's body. Yeah, remember when he's a little tiny before he gets the shot and becomes mm-hmm. Captain America? Well, I think we can kind of lead into the whole Marvel thing with all of these because it seems like none of the Marvel movies are done on any location unless they're like explicitly outside. And even then I'm not a hundred percent sure. Yeah. There's a lot of green screen work. Oh yeah. That and can I, okay. I'm going to, I'm going to make the statement, the CGI of all the costumes, Iron Man, Black Panther, all those, all those costumes growing on people's faces and that sort of thing. And I'm sick to death of nanobots. This, the excuse for everything. Can you do this? Yeah, I've got nanobots. Blah, 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 blah. Um, but <laughs> they're, like, they're like technological midichlorians. They, yeah, exactly. Shut up. They, <laughs> oh, look at I got nanobots. I got this suit. Yeah, Mister Stark, you don't have your suit. Oh, I've got this little vial of water. It's full of nanobots. I got a suit in there. Nanobot, nanobot, nanobot. It's a weird <laughs> hill to die on. <laughs> Damn, these midichlorians are so high. The CGI in in the Marvel movies has gotten to the point that we're we're definitely climbing out of the Uncanny Valley and walking into the next one beyond. Well, I mean, part of the problem is is the whole, you know, nuclear race type thing. Every movie they put out has to one up the, the last one. So, of course, you know, now every suit is nanobot, you know, technology. Because you can't have a superhero, new superhero show up and have less technology than the one before him. It'd be like, you know, the Zulus showing up with spears and, and, and <laughs> spears and shields to the, you know, the British imperialists with their guns. 
You could just roll the machine. The next superhero, instead of trying to go bigger and better, is just in a pair of long johns with a bucket on his head. <laughs> you reset the score doesn't counter. even wear a suit. <laughs> it is a nanobot. <laughs> He's just one giant nanobot. That's why he can't be killed. <laughs> he reconstructs himself with human tissue. Ew. <laughs> he starts pulling all the. Like, how do you how do you do that? He's like, I've got human butts. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> what? <laughs> I think we may have derailed. <laughs> Don't I'm make impenetrable that noise. to nothing. <laughs> Why is it so squishy? Because <laughs> he's pulling flesh off other humans to make his suit. He's like the T-1000, but made of flesh. It's Buffalo Bill. <laughs> oh. Now, speaking of horrifying things, we've just got a note here. The Mummy Returns, the Scorpion King. Oh, God. <laughs> thing that shall not be named. Or as I like to call him, the Rock Lobster. <laughs> and it sucks because <laughs> Brendan Fraser is so good in that role, like so good. Like he was born to play that role, mm-hmm. and the CGI is so lackluster in pretty much all the movies. At some point, that it's frustrating because I they're fun movies. They're they're good movies, but oh, I love the I love the Mummy movies. The thing is with this one, they were like, hey, it's The Rock. Who's going to care? They're here to see him. Then you wind up with Plastic Scorpion Man. We should do a, we should do a mummy show. We did. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I was like, wait, we did. I remember watching it. We didn't get to do the rock one, though, because that was in the middle of the franchise. No, we did the mummy. first one. But, you know, I mean, all of that. The, even the first one with Imhotep and the Sandstorm and... Yeah, the but the, flesh the, and... the rock lobster is just so infamously bad in the world of CGI. It's, I don't say it's rare, but it's really kind of frustrating when they go from Imhotep's stretching mouth and the mummy from the first one, and they take a step backwards. Yeah. Right. They didn't That's... even go halfway forwards or the same. They're like, eh, we got an Amiga in the back. Let's uh, use that. <laughs> an Amiga. <laughs> <laughs> Let's dust off that TRS-80. I think my nephew can draw. Yikes. <laughs> Let him do it. I okay. did this in MS Paint. <laughs> <laughs> Stop making that noise. <laughs> it's just my human butts. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't know why Buckethead suddenly turned into a redneck. <laughs> now, here's here's my question. Do... I'm gonna ask. I'm gonna hate asking this. These these the flesh bots. Do they pull flesh from like other people no. standing nearby, yes. or do they just have like yes. a bucket of flesh? Yes. Yeah, because like so you then, know, if they kill somebody, then they just kind of stand next to them and absorb them, like the T1000. Yeah, but I mean, if you're like, is he a hero? Is he like defending people? Here, I'm here to save the day. Oh, sorry no, about I'm, the I'm flesh. I imagine but... the guy made of human nanobot technology is probably evil. You know, I guess we kind of needed all of this to work up to the existential horror that is cats. <laughs> yes. Talk about taking a step backwards. <laughs> Jesus Christ. But it did lead to one of the best jokes at the Golden Globes. So, Which was? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> uh, oh. Ricky Gervais said uh, everybody got to see James Corden as a fat pussy this week. And he was also in Cats. 
But in booms. And Judy Dench doing what she loves. <laughs> oh, that whole thing was ridiculous. Joel, have you seen Cats? No, but I've I've read several reviews of it, seen lots of screen captures and the trailer, and it's just a it's just a train wreck. Did you see the thing with the dancing cockroaches, Japanese cockroaches? Yes. It's upsetting. The whole thing just looks it looks like like why did it was one of those things that's like why did no one stop this at some point right like, there are so many people involved in making this movie and no one at any point was like we don't need to continue the biggest pain in the ass is that we're not going to get wicked because of it because they yeah. put wicked on hold to do this yeah they're gonna say we're not gonna get cats too uh even cat hopefully we're not james corden's back and pussier than ever. <laughs> and cats, too. And the flesh bot. Human butt. James Corden and the flesh bot. Just I think the flesh bot, the flesh bot sounds way too porny. <laughs> what the hell kind of... What do you watch? It already is a thing. <laughs> I'm That's out of bullet points to redirect us to from flesh bot. <laughs> He's out of ammunition. <laughs> Anybody have any more questions about the flesh bot? <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Answering any and all questions right now. Where does the flesh go when he's done? Oh, at night he just rolls up into a big ball like a doodle bug. <laughs> Where's flesh bot? He's sleeping. Wake him up. What? Then. <laughs> He's just rolling around. <laughs> I have Thanos. no mouth, but I must scream. <laughs> Thanos is back. Call the flesh mob. What the hell were we talking about? CGI. Yeah. yeah CGI. <laughs> We've gone off the rails. Okay. Current favorite CGI movie. It has something that has evident that you know is CGI and that is not a Marvel. I'm going to put a disclaimer that is not a Marvel movie. Why the sudden hard stance against Marvel movies? Yeah, well, it's just it's too easy because there's too many of them, and they all are pushing the the CGI envelope with. Yeah, I'm looking for something like the aging and stuff. Mine currently Deus Ex, uh, Pan's Labyrinth. Ooh, that movie uh, was not what I was expecting it to be. <laughs> right, that's Upgrade. one of the reasons I loved it because I went into it not knowing anything about it, didn't even know it was subtitled, and oh, I loved it. Good upgrade. Ooh, I need to see that. Oh my god. Reverse Robocop. That's all you need to know. It's so good. So it's like Robocop, but all the flesh is on the outside. Oh god. I was gonna say his jaw is made of of a robot, but the, his skull is made of human. <laughs> More or less. How do we get back to Fleshbot already? <laughs> <laughs> my so plan has worked. Fleshbot, he's squishy and wet. Fleshbot. <laughs> He could be your pet. <laughs> I don't like CGI anymore. Hey, where's, <laughs> where's Flashbot? Follow the trail. <laughs> what the fuck? So, hey, before you wake him up, run a lint roller over him real quick. <laughs> There's a trail of bile and blood over here. Flashbot. What the hell am I talking about? I think we're done. Oh, I hope crap. we're done. I'm calling it. <laughs> Wait, Josh didn't give us his. Then we're done. 
He said he didn't like CGI anymore. (laughs) Fair enough. All right. Did you want to give a CGI? Actually, I'm curious, Josh. Do you have a CGI movie you like? So I'm lost in this, lost in the woods with this whole flesh pot thing. (laughs) Any Uh, questions? He's in the weeds. Several. (laughs) What do we got up next, Joel? We're going to be talking about vacation. Uh, the original National Lampoons from 1984? Three. Three? Three? Yeah. And uh, the, the the newer one with Ed Helms. Yeah, so if you have any questions that are not about Fleshbot, you can give us a call at 708-NOW-RAP. <laughs> That's 708-669-9727. Yep. And uh, if you're looking for our older stuff, iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, TalkShoe, Podverse, NewFM.com, and you'll find us all over the place. Just Google or search out 40 going on 14 and you will find us. Or Fleshbot. Fleshbot. He's jo- <laughs> He's got no joints. Fleshbot. Just kind of like flops around. <laughs> Fleshbot's coming. He's going to save us. He's like a wet carp. These are the jokes, folks. I know you're out there. I can hear you breathing. <laughs> Mike, if you hear somebody breathing, you, you, you better run. Jesus, put your windbreaker back on. What the fuck? <laughs> I was trying to clean up the microphone. <laughs> it sounded like you were taking off a members-only jacket. <laughs> <laughs> I was. The wind never stood a chance.